Richard Smith attended this church from the time he was about four years old. Just to be clear, the year was 1951. How many people do you know who attended the same local church faithfully over seven decades? I think I only know two, Donna Bonner and Barb Wiley. Those are the only ones I can come up with off the top of my head anyway. Richard loved Emmanuel Baptist Church, and he hoped in the gospel of Jesus, crucified for his sins, risen from the dead, to be his righteousness. As many of you know, Richard suffered from Alzheimer's, so he forgot many things. But he never forgot kindness. One time, he was at our house for Thanksgiving. He left after we enjoyed a big lunch together. No more than an hour had passed, and he came back, and he knocked on our door, and he said, was I just here for lunch? And we said, yes, yes, you were. Ever the gentleman, he said, I fear I was rude because I left abruptly. And he came back inside and spent some more time together with us that day. There were times when his forgetfulness confused him. During, during COVID, we simply live-streamed our services and sermons without inviting people to attend in person. But one of those mornings, a couple of those mornings, he showed up, having forgotten that COVID was the reason that no one was there. And he was concerned that I might be downhearted at preaching to a room full of empty pews. So at the end of those services... He was very sweet to encourage me by saying, I wish more people had been here to hear that. And of course, he also never forgot his sense of humor. One time, I asked him for honest feedback on the services of the newly merged churches here. And without missing a beat, he said, kind of cocked his head to the side, he goes, the mind cannot absorb more than the seat can endure. <laughs> Sure, you can hear him saying that. <laughs> More importantly, Richard never forgot his Savior. When he was living at the Sheridan on McLean, he would sometimes get agitated, but if you appealed to his own Christ-like example among the staff, he would relent. And of course, when I first met him, he was attending here faithfully Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, serving Emmanuel as treasurer thoughtfully giving rides to other people, encouraging us with his words as he was able. I think he got the value of giving rides to church to other people from his dad. He remembered his dad buying a four-door car simply so that he could bring other people to church. So today we remember our friend and brother in Christ, Richard William Smith. But what matters most is not that we remember Richard. What matters most is that Jesus remembers Richard. God the Father remembers Richard William Smith. Forgetfulness is part of human frailty. 
We forget without meaning to forget. We forget even though we don't have Alzheimer's. But thankfully, the God of the Bible never forgets either a face or the name that goes with it. He never forgets anyone who has taken refuge in Jesus for the forgiveness of their sins through repentance and faith, and he never forgets any detail or event by accident. God does forget, but when God forgets, it is always on purpose, and it is always for the good of those who love and trust Him in Jesus. The human condition, whether in its frailty or in its forgetfulness, can eventually make us all long for the day when this life is finally over. But what then? Is there any hope beyond the grave? Job felt like asking that. Or maybe you've forgotten Job's experience in Job 14. If you want to turn there in the Bible, in the pew in front of you, it's on page 426, Job 14. Job was a righteous man who suffered terribly and never knew why. In the middle of his suffering, he despairs, he dares to hope, and then he slips back into his despair again. He reflects on the brevity and sorrows of life, the certainty of death, and he asks why God even bothers to correct or judge the sorry likes of mortal men. In Job 14, Job finds hope for a tree stump to be raised to new life if it's given enough water. But a human person dies, and what hope is left? Job experiences his own sufferings as if it were a death. He's so fed up with his life and his suffering that he would be relieved to curl up in his own casket. But he doesn't want to sleep it off forever. And that's where we pick it up in Job 14, verse 13, where Job prays to God, Oh, that you would hide me in Sheol, the grave, that you would conceal me until your wrath is past, that you would appoint me a set time and remember me. He wishes he could hide in the grave from the tragedy of the human condition. He would sleep the sleep of death as he understood it, but then, as if with a divine alarm clock, he wishes God would remember him there in the grave and raise him up after the ordeal of death is over. He had lamented in verse 12, a man lies down and rises not again, but he really wants to be wrong about that. And just for a moment, he dares to entertain the question of a resurrection. If a man dies, shall he live again? Tell me I'm wrong. Tell me I'm wrong. Tell me I'm wrong that a man lies down and rises not again. I don't want to believe that. 
And so he ventures to dream of how things might be between him and God. All the days of my service, I would wait till my renewal should come. And you would call, and I would answer you. You would long for the work of your hands. That's what I wish would come true, Job says, in the middle of his grief. You, God, would call my name as I am lying there in the grave, forgetting all my troubles, and all of a sudden I would hear you calling me, and you would awaken me from the sleep of death, and I would be so glad to hear your voice. That would mean the world to me because it would mean that you remembered me when I could not remember you because I was dead. It would mean to me that you love me, that you care for me, that you care about my life. You cared about my suffering and my sorrow. You cared about my death. My death mattered to you like I wanted it to matter to you. It would mean that you want to spend eternity with me. That my life of trusting you, of worshiping you, my life of righteousness and integrity and obedience and service to you, my life confessing my sins to you, it wasn't a waste. It was not all for naught. Those 70 years of faithfulness in the same church while I saw so many of my own friends dying right in front of my eyes. While I saw other churches falling into unfaithfulness around us, it wasn't a waste. That's what it would mean. It was worth it because you would call and I would answer you. And everything would be okay because you would make everything new. And my heart would be full because you remembered me and... You forgot my sins. For then you would number my steps. You would not keep watch over my sin. My transgression would be sealed up in a bag, and you would cover over my iniquity. God, if you're taking my life right now in the suffering, (laughs) that's how I want it to go. I want you to assure me that it could be like this after I die. Could it be like that for me? See, this is what we all want. We want God to number our steps, but not our sins. We want him to throw all of our sins into a sealed bag and cover over all our guilt. We want him to remember us, but to forget our sins. But that is a hard thing for us to believe that he would do because we understand that our sins are what defile our hearts. They're wrapped up together. How could he? How could God remember me without remembering all of my sins? Because when I look at myself, that's what I see. I see my sins. I can't see myself without seeing my sins. But could God?
This is what David prayed for in Psalm 25. Remember your mercy, O Lord, and your steadfast love, for they have been from of old. Remember not the sins of my youth or my transgressions. According to your steadfast love, remember me for the sake of your goodness, O Lord. But that, for many of us, is almost too much to hope for, too much to ask, too much to trust, too much to believe. But that, my friends, is the gospel. That is the gospel. That God could, in fact, remember you and forget your sins. It's exactly what God promised to do for all those who die, trusting in Jesus' righteousness to vindicate them before God and who trust in his death to atone for the guilt of their sins. Jeremiah 31, 20. Is Ephraim, Old Testament Israel, my dear son? Is he my darling child? For as oft as I speak against him because of his sins, I do remember him still. You see his heart, even for his Old Testament people? Later, in that same chapter, God makes the promise of a new covenant, a relationship built on Jesus' blood and righteousness, his death and resurrection, and the result of that new covenant will be divine, selective amnesia. Jeremiah 31, 34, where God promises to those who trust in Jesus, I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sins no more. What Job could only wish, God actually promises. God says to his people, Isaiah 43:25, I, I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. And yet in the very next chapter, while he just promised to forget his people's sins, he says he will not forget them. I formed you. You are my servant, O Israel. You will not be forgotten by me. What a sweet sentence. Just a chapter after, I will remember your sins no more. You will not be forgotten by me. I have blotted out your transgressions like a cloud and your sins like a mist. Return to me, for I have redeemed you. See, there it is. Is it too good to be fair? Yes, it is. It's certainly too good for us to feel entitled to it. It's definitely better than we deserve, but it is not too good to be true. God will remember us, but he will forget our sins. That is exactly what we have always wanted. That's what we need, and that is what God promises by faith alone in Christ alone. But for now, Job himself speaks and prays better than he can know or even hope to believe. He slips back into his despondency in verse 18. But the mountain falls, crumbles away. 
The rock is removed from its place. The waters wear away the stones. The torrents wash away the soil of the earth. And so you destroy the hope of man. You prevail forever against him. And he passes. That's how Job felt in the middle of his despair. Now, he got over it eventually. God brought him out of it. But it would be another 25 chapters before he found hope. For now, it was just too much for Job to believe. And maybe, just maybe, it's too much for you to believe right now. Resurrection, forgiveness, eternal life, blessedness with your God and Creator, atonement for all your sins, for me? After what I've done? After what I know about myself that nobody else knows? That would be nice. I would like it if death would be nothing more than God hiding me away for a time until his wrath of judgment has passed. Sure, I'd love to be able to hope in that, but I don't think it's for me. I can't imagine. Is that how you feel? Is that how you think? You like Job. But then maybe, just maybe, God would appoint you a set time. He would remember you. God would long for the work of his hands in you. He would call for you by name, and you would answer him. And then he would number your steps. He would not keep watch over your sins. Your own transgression would be sealed up in a bag. And the righteous, omnipotent God would cover over all your guilt. It all sounds so good to you right now, sitting here. God would forget my sins and remember my soul. And now perhaps you will go away from this place. And you will get in your car this afternoon to drive home. And what will happen to these thoughts that you cherish right now? The temptation is to be carried along with the inertia and the entropy of this passing world. The mountain falls and crumbles away. The rock is removed from its place. The waters wear away the stones. The torrents wash away the soil of the earth. Everything just keeps on disintegrating around me. My body is disintegrating around my soul. And perhaps you will sink back into feeling as if God has destroyed all the hope of man, all your hope. In other words, the temptation will be to forget God's promise that he will, in fact, remember you and forget your sins if you turn from your sin and trust in Christ. Friend, don't forget this promise. Don't forget. Remember it while you can. Live on it and live by it. So that even when you are too feeble to remember anything at all, God will remember you. We might wonder if God will remember those who forget him due to a disease like Alzheimer's. But God is good. 
And God is kind, and He is patient, and He is wise, and He is merciful. And He has promised that if we are faithless, He remains faithful, for He cannot deny Himself. 2 Timothy 2.13 Our brother Richard Smith knew God to be His holy creator and His righteous judge, but he also knew and admitted that he was a sinner against his holy creator and righteous judge, and he knew he needed a savior. He knew his sins deserved God's condemnation in hell for all eternity. And that is why he trusted God's promise in Jesus. God sent Jesus, his only son, to live the perfectly righteous life that Richard and all of us should have lived, but could not and would not. So Richard trusted that Jesus offered his perfect life up to God on the cross as a substitute penalty for his sins. He believed God raised Jesus from the dead to vindicate his righteousness and to vindicate all those who trust in Christ. And so Richard turned from his sins and his self-reliance before God, and he trusted in Jesus' blood and righteousness to save him from the power and penalty of his sins. That, that is why he attended this church so faithfully for so long. Not because he was so good, but because Jesus was so good for him. And Richard would want the same for you. He would want you to know this Christ and follow him forever in the fellowship of his local church. Maybe Richard forgot some of these things in his last days, but what matters most is not what we remember and forget, it's what God remembers and forgets. What Job wished were true, but would not yet dare to believe. What you yourself wish could be true. Maybe what you even grew up hearing at church and then rejected when you were older. It's all true. It's all true. Jesus' tomb has been empty for 2,000 years. Jesus is in himself the resurrection and the life. He has life in himself, and he has the power to give eternal life to whoever turns from their own sin and self-reliance to trust and obey him. God remembered Jesus when Jesus was in the tomb. And if you're united to Jesus by faith, then Jesus will remember you when you are in the grave. Jesus' blood alone can make God the Father forget all of your sins and yet still remember your needy soul. If you are trusting in Christ, then one day He will remember you at the appointed time. Even if the ravages of time rendered you unable to remember much of anything at all, He will call and you will answer Him. He would long for the work of his hands in you, and he will number your steps and not your sins. Surely, surely that is not too much to believe. Let's pray together. Father, we confess that we find it hard to believe that you could forgive the likes of us. 
sinful as we are, prideful and self-reliant as we are, hard-hearted as we have often been, and we have often reasoned about you as Job did, we have thought and entertained thoughts of the resurrection, dared to hope that it might be true, and yet we have sunk back into our despair because we have not taken you at your word of promise in Christ Jesus that you will, in fact, no longer remember our sins if we trust in your appointed Savior, Christ Jesus. So would you make that promise real to us? Would you soften our hearts to trust in it? Help us to consider your word and your promises more valid, more solid, more sure and stable and trustworthy than our own doubts. May we trust in the Savior that you have appointed for us so that we will hear your voice, that you will call, and we will answer you. For Jesus' sake, amen.